0: Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. This episode is part of a three-part series that was inspired by questions posed to me by a sincere skeptic who is wrestling with what he describes as three major conundrums about God and Christianity. The three topics addressed by these three episodes are the apparent hiddenness of God. Is God really there? The Problem of Pain and Evil, Why Would a Good God Allow So Much Pain and Suffering? And The Vast Over-Engineering of the Universe, Why Would God Create All of This Just for Us? Make sure you check out all three of these episodes and share them with your favorite skeptics. In today's episode, we will address the apparent hiddenness of God. Is God really there? John, our skeptic of this question, said, I spent decades trying to understand why and how people like you can so clearly see God when I cannot. So I figure you must have grappled with some of these mysteries in the past and always enjoying hearing any insights. Believe me, I do wish the Christian story were true and that we had this great eternal afterlife to look forward to. But I do fear this is it. Well, first of all, the good news is that God created all of us to be able to hear and connect with him. And it's not just for the few who stumble upon the capability naturally. It can be learned by anyone. So let me begin by explaining it this way. Let's say there was a very important TV program that you wanted to see, and someone you trusted told you that it was on channel 8, but it was actually on channel 3. There was a way for you to verify this information for yourself, But you chose to trust it because this person was supposed to be an expert on locating programs on TV. No matter how much you try to see your program on channel 8, you would not be able to, because it's actually on channel 3. Was the program not playing, or were you just not seeing it? No matter how hard you try, the only thing that will work is changing to channel 3. Then it's easy to see, right? You could be mad at the person for giving you the incorrect channel, but you also could have found that information by researching it more carefully yourself. Should you be mad at the TV show for not being where you looked for it in the first place? The problem is beginning with the correct starting place is really important. Assuming God is as limited as man's assumption is like a goldfish in a bowl looking out at a room It sits in believing that what he sees is the fullness of all reality. So how do you find God's TV channel? The first clarification needs to be understanding the relationship between your body, your soul, and your spirit. If you begin trying to understand God through your natural senses or your body, you will struggle. Because God's TV channel is accessible only by way of the Spirit. God created you with a spirit, a soul, and a body. The Spirit's purpose is the communication gateway to God. He can reveal truth about himself, you, and the world around you to influence your soul and body. I have a diagram explaining what I'm about to talk about in a minute on this episode of the pattyej.podbean.com site so that you have a visual picture of what i'm trying to say here picture a box and it has three sections the top row is spirit the middle row is soul and the bottom row is your body there is a dotted line going right in between soul that says CHOICES. The top half of the choices line is your heart and is influenced by your godly influence of the spirit, whereas the bottom half of your choices are influenced by your head and worldly circumstances. Your brain is the gateway of your body which communicates to your soul. It filters information, which feeds into the soul and produces emotions that influence your beliefs and choices. This gateway is limited by this natural world because it begins with the natural realm, your body. Fixing your eyes only on worldly or natural things and trusting head knowledge affects your soul negatively because it lacks God's power to transform you. The spirit is the gateway that comes from the spirit realm to influence the soul. Changes to the soul from this direction also influence your body. Before the fall of Adam and Eve's sin, we were live to God through our spirits. Afterwards, we were dominated and perceived things only through our flesh. God spoke through a few prophets and would help them guide the people. But this was an anointing upon only a few people in the Old Testament days. When Jesus came to restore us back to the connection of God by his sacrifice on the cross and finished work, he restored our connection to God with our spirit. When he died and resurrected, he sent the Holy Spirit, which gave all believers the ability to tap into the indwelling Holy Spirit for guidance. Sadly, most people don't realize this and are not accessing this truth. But if you choose to live according only to the physical realm, through religion and your mind, you will not be able to hear God, even though he is speaking to you 24-7. Faith comes through direct encounters with the truth of God's love. Fixing your eyes on Jesus connects your spirit with God's spirit, which has the power to positively influence your soul and your body this is what jesus had to say about that when i asked him to explain the body the soul and the spirit he said the body is the only thing that is for this physical world alone it houses the five senses of the physical body seeing hearing tasting touching smelling the soul is your life essence it is the core part of you that contains your personality mind will and emotions. It goes with you after you die and leaves this physical world. Therefore, it can be affected by the physical and the spiritual realms. It abides. It means it is here and there. Your spirit is the power of life and was created to connect you with God. It houses the five senses of the inner man, the eyes and ears of your heart, so that you can connect with God's mind, will, and emotion by way of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The indwelling Holy Spirit brings with him God's mind, will, and emotion, among other things. When you trust only in your brain and in worldly physical things, you are only engaging the body and the soul. You are not trusting in God when you are trusting in your brain. In fact, you are completely leaving him out of the equation. The heart is where your spirit connects with God and can influence your soul when you are surrendered to the transformational power of the Holy Spirit. When your soul is influenced by God, your mind, will, and emotion will become more aligned with His mind, will, and emotion. That's how transformation works. Beginning with fixing your eyes on Jesus, allows you to influence your soul to align with your Christ identity. That is the best version of yourself that the Father sees you as already. This changes how you think and behave. It influences what you believe and changes your choices. When you agree with God's best, it changes your soul and body at the cellular level. There's way more on how that works in an episode about the Creator, linked below in this episode on the pattyej.podbean.com site. This is why I'm always leading you to Jesus. I'm always trying to get you to fix your eyes on Jesus because there is no power when you live in the head-worldly place, trusting in your brain and believing in natural limitations. The power comes from the heart connection with God. God lives in your heart, not in your head. You cannot access his power with your head. To trust in yourself and to believe that God is the only tiny part of your life, but not at the core of your life, leaves you without his power. Living below the choices line that will lead to illness, depression, poor relationships, insecurity, and low kingdom impact. Choosing to live by the Spirit is choosing to see yourself inside of God's immeasurable love potential where you can connect and release his supernatural power to transform yourself into the person he sees you as already, your Christ identity, so that you are equipped to be able to serve with great power and capacity. This is really about the difference between knowing about God and knowing him intimately titus 1:16a says they claim to know god but their actions deny him i asked jesus to show me the difference between someone who thinks they know god and someone who really knows god jesus showed me a man in the desert he had chapped lips and a distressed look on his face he was frantically looking and thought he saw water but as he kept on walking he realized it was only mirage Jesus said there was no real water, only something that looked like water. It's good to know what water looks like, but it's much better to be able to drink it when you're really thirsty. To learn about me is like showing a hungry and thirsty man a picture of a magnificent banquet, but there's nothing to eat or drink. Seeing the picture may bring some benefits, but he is left ultimately unsatisfied. The actual need is unfulfilled. This is what it's like to learn about me. The spiritual need to know me is even stronger than the man's physical need for water. A mirage is an illusion, a trick of the eye caused by light refraction and heat waves. Knowing only about me is a trick too, but it doesn't fool the soul. The soul knows its need for the true God. To truly satisfy the hunger and thirst of your soul, you must drink deeply of the living water. The living water is refreshing, rejuvenating, and restores more than you can see and feel. Come and drink deeply, the living water. You must also eat the food of my presence. You must enter the Holy of Holies where you can encounter my presence. I have gained you direct access to the Father by way of the indwelling Holy Spirit because of my work on the cross. Do not neglect this privilege. This is accomplished by you spending time with me. Consider John 17:3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. To know someone is an intimate thing. To know of someone or something implies a knowledge from a distance. It's not my desire for you to know me distantly or haphazardly in a third-party sort of way or only through the work of a pastor or a preacher. You cannot know me without personally drawing close to me. It is through steady communion with me, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that you truly come to know me. And knowing me leads to trusting, believing, and obeying, which are fruits of the eternal life you have now. It's really just like knowing anyone personally. To trust someone, you need to spend time with them to learn who they are and if you can really rely on them. After some time, if you feel safe, we tend to want to spend more time with them and come to trust them. I spend time with the people that I like to be around, people who build me up, encourage me and show me love. No one does that better than the Lord. And he said, yes, the difference between knowing in your head and surrendering in your heart is clarified in James 2:19. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. The demons know who I am, of course, but they do not accept and surrender to me and have no intimate relationship with me. This is the important distinction. Remember, I live in your heart, not in your head. Every time you take a drink today, spend time reflecting on the living water and come and fellowship with me. Tune to me in quiet and listen for my voice. Seek me and you will find me. Spend time getting to know me, ask me to show you things. I certainly have a lot of things to show you. It's my heart's desire to spend time with you. Communing with me is the only way for your spiritual hunger and thirst to be satisfied. This is how to truly know me. God always equips what he commands, so there must be a way for us to be able to obey the commands in the Bible absolutes that the Lord reveals in Scripture. John 10.27 says, sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance, and every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge him and recognize him, and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. If he says we can do those things, he is able to show us how to obey those things. The goal is for you to know who God is, the fullness of his Omni truths. God is able to keep his promises to guide, care, protect, and heal you in this life by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are very few things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot deny himself, that is his nature or character. He cannot break a promise, and he cannot do your job for you. Christianity is a partnership. He shows you how to connect with him and gives you the transformational power to be an overcomer and to obey the commands that he has when you surrender to those rules. Answers are in the Bible, but you must understand that you cannot interpret the Bible apart from the Holy Spirit, or you'll be looking in the wrong place and make inaccurate assumptions. Fixing your eyes on negative things in the world empowers negative things in the world. Unfortunately, the fact is that the majority of Christians and pastors of many denominations do a poor job of reflecting the truth of God and the Bible, his nature, character, promises, and power. Many people put too much responsibility on the pastor to be the one to teach them. You must take responsibility for your own walk with Jesus and test everything you hear against the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the Bible. People are not the standard of Christianity. They are too flawed for that. Jesus is. Most atheists will tell you that they are not Christians because of the attitudes and actions of Christians that they have encountered or observed, which is a sad commentary on the body of Christ. God did not send down thousands of religions, nor did he create more than 33,000 denominations of Christianity. Man did that all by himself, by dividing over their own misunderstandings of Scripture. Even the picture of God being up there, distant, and a mean puppet master is the fault of poor interpretation of Scripture. The truth is that when a believer walks into the doors of a church, they are not walking into a building where God is. They are bringing God into that building because He is in their hearts. Born-again believers are the temple of God on earth now. That's the new covenant reality. The experience of feeling like God is hidden and not accessible reveals some religious assumptions about God that are just not true about who he is. People will say things to me like, oh, you are so religious, thinking that it's a compliment. And I reply, actually, I'm not religious at all. You see, religion is people's created worship practices, and true Christianity is about God's relationship with people. The first begins with us, and the second begins with God. If you begin with you, you will wind up with a small, limited, weak, and ineffectual small g God. If you begin with the truth from the Word of God, you know that the Omnigod That is the all-powerful, omnipotent God, the all-knowing, omniscient God, the all-loving, omnibenevolent God, and the ever-present, omnipresent God. When you see things through God's omni-perspective, you gain understanding and power to change the world. In his letter to me, John posed the question, did man create God Or did God create man? And the answer is that God created man and provided the way for us to know him. But in the misguided search for him, man also created many other gods. The word of God includes everything you need to know about who God really is, his nature, his character, promises, and his will. It also includes all the specific ways we can cooperate with him, who he has created you to be, how to become the best version of yourself. The word of God is alive and active, but only when you allow the Holy Spirit to interpret it. God equips you to follow every command of God in the Bible and clearly shows you the way. There are 1,200 verses about the Holy Spirit. Those verses show you what he looks like, feels like, what he does for you, how he works, what power he brings, how to release that power how to become an overcomer and handle every challenge, how to know the conditions of his promises and how to obey them. Yet many denominations preach a gospel of Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures and leave out the Holy Spirit entirely. But what they do is they leave out the power to understand the Scriptures because they're being approached by their heads and not their hearts, and they leave out the guidance of the Holy Spirit for wisdom. But the word clarifies in 1 Corinthians two fifteen and 16, But the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian, judges all things, questions and examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals, yet is himself judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ to be guided by his thoughts and purposes. Jesus restored what Adam and Eve lost for us with his finished work on the cross and then sent us the Holy Spirit so that we could be guided by his thoughts and purposes. Is God believable? Let's take a few minutes to address that one. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. In the Strong's Concordance, the term for only begotten is monogenous. It means unique, properly one and only, one of its kind, no other. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. Jesus was present at the very creation of the universe. He is the Word that was spoken, that caused the entire creation to exist. Jesus also shows up pre-incarnate as the angel of the Lord 23 times in the Old Testament. Jesus is the only one in history who could have fulfilled the now known 353 biblical prophecies that were foretold in the Old Testament and confirmed in the New Testament. Thanks to the biblical research done by Henry Perry Lyddon in the 1700s, and continued and captured for you by the According to the Scriptures Biblical Scholars, you can check them out yourself. I'll have a link to that list of all 353 prophecies on this episode of pattyej.podbean.com. Inspired by Lydon's work, Professor of Mathematics Dr. Peter Stoner wrote a book called Science Speaks, Scientific Proof of the Accuracy of Prophecy in the Bible in 1969. Dr. Stoner identified that Jesus fulfilled 29 prophecies in the last 24 hours of his life, and he did the mathematical calculation of the likelihood of one person fulfilling just eight of those prophecies. To understand the magnitude of the reality of one man fulfilling just eight messianic prophecies, Dr. Stoner gave this illustration. Cover the entire state of Texas, 268,820 square miles, with silver dollars up to two feet deep. The total number of silver dollars would be 10 to the 17th power. Next, mark one silver dollar so it could be easily identified and put back in. Then st- thoroughly stir all the silver dollars all over the state. Finally, blindfold someone and tell them they can travel anywhere they want in Texas, but they must pick up only one silver dollar. The chance of finding that one marked silver dollar in a f- two-foot-deep pile covering the entire state of Texas would be the same statistical chance for just eight prophecies coming true in one man. When I was writing my first Clips That Move Mountains book, I found this incredible clip from Echoing Praise Ministries that still says it better than I could in my own words. I will link that video below in this episode at pattyeday.podbean.com site. One of the things I found so interesting about these prophecies was the specificity of them. They were not generalized statements that could have been said about anyone. Because Dr. Stoner did the math based on only eight prophecies, let's look at eight specific fulfilled prophecies from Jesus' life. Sold for 30 pieces of silver, forecasted Zechariah 11, 12, fulfilled Matthew 26, 14, and 15. His hands and feet were pierced, forecasted Psalm 22, 16, fulfilled Luke 23, 33, and John 20, 25 to 27. His garments were divided and cast for lots, forecasted, Psalm 22, 18, fulfilled, John nineteen, twenty-four. His side was pierced, forecasted, Zechariah 11, 1, 12, and 10 to 12, and fulfilled, John nineteen, thirty-four to 37. Buried in a rich man's tomb, forecasted, Isaiah fifty three nine fulfilled Matthew twenty seven fifty seven to sixty. Born in Bethlehem, forecasted Micah five two, fulfilled in Matthew two one. Born of a virgin, forecasted Isaiah seven fourteen, fulfilled in Matthew one hundred eighteen. Resurrected from the dead, forecasted Psalm sixteen, ten, eleven, and forty nine, fifteen, and fulfilled, Mark. Even more remarkable is that some of these prophetic messages were between 400 and 1500 years before Jesus was even born. Was the Lord being a puppet master for all these prophecies to come true? No. He's omniscient, all-knowing, omnipotent, and all-powerful. And he's omnipresent, which means he lives outside of timelessness. He had seen these things happen already. And his omnibenevolence means that he cannot deny his loving nature and balances love, mercy, and justice perfectly. The Father wants you to choose him willingly. Jesus' preferred name for himself was Son of Man. This is because he chose to lay aside his deity and truly lived his entire life as a human, entirely tuned to the Father by way of the power of the Holy Spirit. John 5 19 says, so Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the son can do nothing of himself of his own accord unless it is something he sees the father doing for whatever things the father does. The son in his turn also does in the same way. Jesus lived a perfect life by surrendering to the Holy Spirit's voice and following every action he was given, and that's what we are called to do as believers as well. All right, how do you connect with God practically? We're going to learn how to do that right now. Dr. Mark Verkler, the founder of Communion with God Ministries and Christian Leadership University, wrestled with this exact question that our skeptic John posed for this episode for 11 years before the Lord gave him the four keys to hearing God's voice, which is the dialogue journaling tool that I use in this Experience Jesus podcast and in all of my books to teach people how to connect with God. Just like John, Mark was left-brained, logical, and trying to connect with God with his physical brain. We will pick back up on exactly how to do dialogue journaling at the end of this podcast. But first, I want you to understand more about what this tool teaches you how to do, and we're going all the way back to finding God's TV channel. The language of the heart is pictures, stories, music, emotions, thoughts, and metaphors that are all given to you spontaneously. Jesus demonstrated this teaching method by the way he did parables and stories relevant to the culture to connect with the hearts of the people at the time. The language of your head is analytical and logical. Jesus reflected the character of his father perfectly by teaching using the language of the heart. He spoke in the vernacular of their culture using common images of their day. He does the same thing today with you and he speaks and pulls from your direct life experiences. You will learn how to tap into God's channel by putting your body into the alpha brain wave state, which is the frequency of God's TV channel. Brain waves are measured by frequency, which are cycles per second or hertz. They range from very slow to very fast. Alpha waves, 8 to 12 hertz, fit in the middle of the spectrum between beta and theta waves. Alpha is a state of alert relaxation and fosters creativity. Children from the age of two to eight live primarily in the alpha brain state. They are too young to worry and simply go with the flow of life with play and creative imagination. This is a key because the word of God says that childlike faith is essential. Let's look at that in the scriptures. Luke eighteen fifteen to 17 says, Now they were bringing their babies to him so that he could touch and bless them. And when the disciples noticed it, they began reprimanding them. But Jesus called them to himself, saying to the apostles, Allow the children to come to me and do not forbid them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God with faith and humility, like a child, will not enter it at all. I have an episode about the secret of childlike faith, which I will link below in this episode, realizing the essential nature of approaching God as a child as it naturally connects you with the alpha state and brings the faith of a child. I love to introduce people to the Heavenly Father first because it is crucial to meet Him as a child. And while you can hear and connect God as an adult, it is much easier and can take you far deeper when you learn why and how it's important to connect with God as your child-like self. Even though I could hear God easily before I learned how to dialogue journal, I could not connect with him as deeply until I learned this lesson. Children are naturally believers and the child inside of you is a natural believer. Even if the child that you were when you were young was fearful, the inner child of you is a natural believer. Even after learning how to dialogue journal, it took me two years to realize how catapulting it is to connect with God as a child. It works so much more effectively. Your brain naturally produces the alpha brainwave when you are not concentrating on anything in particular. For example, When you're driving and realizing that your mind has been wandering, you are still able to keep your eyes on the road. You're in alpha. And it's also the dream state. So when you have dreams that you can remember, you were having them in an alpha brain state. The alpha brain wave is one of the factors that helps you to tune into God's channel because it slips you into the spiritual realm. It's your spirit, not your mind or your brain actually connecting. And scientists have been able to track that. They've been able to watch what happens to the brain and it activates different senses when you're in alpha. When your brain is producing these waves as part of your encountering experience with Jesus, it is opening the gateway of your spirit. The results can reduce your stress levels, help you feel calmer, more loved, and more importantly, it draws you closer to God. So the alpha brainwave state actually has physical and soul-related benefits, as well as spiritual ones. The simple statement that summarizes the four keys to hearing God's voice is, hearing from God is as simple as quieting yourself down, fixing your eyes on Jesus, tuning to spontaneity, and writing it down. These are the steps that Dr. Mark Verkler calls dialogue journaling. We'll look at them quickly, and then we'll show you where it shows up in the Bible. Quiet yourself down, is a quieting both externally and internally. Fixing your eyes on Jesus is when you expect to see, hear, and feel and connect to him. We do not seek other spirits in this process. Tune to spontaneity. That means allowing pictures, thoughts, feelings, music to bubble up without self-effort and then write down what you saw, heard, felt, and thought or sensed. The entire Bible was written by God speaking or showing someone something spontaneously and then writing it down so that others could read it. Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2 demonstrates these steps beautifully. Habakkuk was a prophet at the time when the Lord was exiling the Jews to other nations for what would be 70 years. The prophet was perplexed by why the Israelites were being taken away and wanted to talk to God about it. The four key steps are revealed in Habakkuk 2, 1 and 2. I will share the verse and then how each verse and how it relates to the four keys. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart. Habakkuk found a quiet place so he could look up and speak to God. He was posturing his heart to speak to God personally. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. He was looking and listening, looking and listening expecting to hear from God personally, using the eyes and ears of his heart. And how I may reply when I'm reproved. Habakkuk knew it would be a conversation with God. He knew he would be able to hear God and what he had to say, that God would explain something he didn't understand, and that he could reply to God. This is a dialogue. Then the Lord answered me and said, God did reply personally. Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets, so the one that reads it may run. God commanded Habakkuk to write down what he was saying. Writing it down is not just for you to remember, but it is also so that it can be a blessing for others. You know, the entire Bible was either written by somebody receiving something, two-thirds of the Bible was through hearing in their spirit and writing it down, and one-third was through the eyes of their heart, through dreams and visions. Once you know how to do this, any question you have of God, He can personally answer you, receiving words, pictures, feelings, music, all spontaneously, and receiving it in faith, and then testing it afterwards to make sure that it confirms with the will of God found in the Word of God. That's how you know that you're talking to God. If you're not in the Word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to interpret what you're doing, you will not Be sure that the voice that you're hearing is actually God. But the good news is that if you posture your heart to seek God and not other spirits, he will answer. In fact, he is speaking continually. All you're doing is changing the dial so that you can tune in to hear him. You just need to seek him in childlike faith so that you have an open heart to receive. And then make sure to test it against scripture. It is always advisable to have some spiritual advisors who are ahead of you in this area that can help you confirm that what you're doing is hearing from the Lord. But let's take a few moments to talk about how to know what his voice even sounds like. God's voice is going to sound like his names, his character, and his promises. His character can be found in Galatians 5, 23 But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within you, Is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The enemy will sound like his names and character. He is a liar. He steals, kills, and destroys. Any self-deprecating thoughts that take you down are not your thoughts. They're the enemy's thoughts. And the word says to take every thought captive. 2 Corinthians ten fifteen says, we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. Your voice sounds like logic, analytical, and is limited by worldly information and beliefs. There are 18 verses that show you that when believers are connected with the Holy Spirit, they are empowered to share the gospel with signs, wonders, and miracles. There are other episodes about how to pull down miracles, how to walk out your healing, how to understand the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit, about the baptism of of the Holy Spirit that opens the doors of those gifts in your heart, but we don't have time to bunny trail on those. You can find those links below on this episode. All of that to say that the life of the born-again believer should be reflecting God's love and his power. Acts 4, 29-30 says, And now, Lord, observe their threats, take them into account, and grant that your bondservants may declare your message of salvation with great confidence, while you extend your hand to heal with signs and wonders attesting miracles take place through the name and authority and power of your holy servant and son, Jesus Christ. If you think God is hiding, he's hiding in plain sight. If you consider there is much more information in the Bible about how he works and what he can do through you when you learn the truth about how spiritual matters actually work. I also want to address counterfeits. In case you're worried that what we're talking about here sounds a little bit too much about What new agers do. Let's talk for a moment about that. Why do you think counterfeiters don't bother with $3 bills? Well, it's because they're not real or they're not valuable. Satan is only going to counterfeit something very valuable and very real. Many denominations of Christianity are so afraid of the spiritual realm that they leave out the Holy Spirit from the Trinity and preach a watered-down gospel of Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. But without the Holy Spirit to interpret the scriptures, you will wind up reflecting a faith without God's love and without his power. With this weak gospel and not a true picture of the omni-god of what Jesus purchased for you on the cross, you will live below the life that God died for you to have and the Father sees you as already, nullifying the work on the cross in your life. If there was a counterfeiter taking money of real denominations, Would you be too afraid of money altogether, or would you make sure you could spot the fakeness of a counterfeit so that you could confidently still participate in the money system? But this is what many do. They throw the baby out with the bathwater, throwing the Holy Spirit out of the Trinity. They don't know their God, and they don't know who he is well enough to spot the counterfeits. The result of that error is they do not know who they are in Christ. Satan counts on that. His goal, if he can't keep you from heaven, is to absolutely limit your fruit bearing in this life, the impact that you have for the kingdom, and even your faith, hope, and joy. The truth is, when you know how easy it is to connect with God in the Spirit, you can confidently ask Him any question you have on your heart, and He will answer you directly. Before we do our direct encounter with Jesus today, I want to show you that you have the eyes and ears of your heart to be able to practice doing this with me today. God has designed and created everyone with eyes and ears of your heart. You use them every day. You just never realize that's what they were. So the first one I want you to practice is the eyes of your heart. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture your kitchen. I want you to scan the room. Um, I want you to walk over to the sink. And I want you to turn it on. I want you to put your hand in the water and feel it. Now shut it off. And I want you to scan the rest of the room and go over to the refrigerator. Open the refrigerator. And look at the contents. Can you feel a little cold coming out of that fridge. Okay, now shut the door. Hopefully you had no trouble following those instructions and you were able to see in the spirit. Now, I'm sure it wasn't as clear as if your eyes were open, but you did have impressions. The reason we do this exercise is that's about the level. We're managing expectations. It's about how clearly you'll be able to see in the spirit. Okay, we're gonna try hearing with the ears of your heart now. And what I want you to do is, I want you to sing happy birthday in your mind. I want you to just sing the song. Were you able to hear yourself do that? I bet you were. That was the ears of your heart. It really is that simple. So as I talk you through A Jesus encounter I'm going to set the stage for you a little bit to get you in the alpha brain stage to get you rolling and as soon as I connect you with Jesus my hands are off the wheel and he completely takes over and then you will be able to see what he has for you and what he wants to show with you and then I want you to make sure you record the whole thing in your journal okay so get yourself in a comfortable place You might want to stop, pause this tape for a minute, say some prayers, ask the Lord to show up for you. I'm going to pray that too, that God shows up for you and that you can sense him and feel him. You know, it's his heart to answer that prayer. So don't make it more difficult by thinking that it's you making it happen. It isn't you making it happen. It's you relaxing and allowing him to make it happen. So that's important for you to know right now. So when you're ready, come back, and we will actually go into this whole thing. Okay, so I want you to take a couple deep breaths. Make sure you're in a comfortable place, no one to disturb you. And take a a few moments. If there's anything distracting on your mind, pick a piece of paper, write down those things, and your mind will let them go. We're going to begin after we take a few breaths, breathing in and out, relaxing your body. I want you to see yourself as a child. Look at your hands and your feet. You're between the ages of four and eight years old. Pay attention to what you're wearing And just feel what it feels like to be a kid again, just for a second. All right, now, the next thing you see is an elevator. And we're going to be paying attention to every sense, what we see and hear and feel and think. I want you to push the elevator button. The doors open. And you walk inside the elevator there's only one button on the elevator. It's really big and it just says Jesus. You push the Jesus button, doors close, and now you feel the movement of the elevator moving you. You've got some excitement about it. When the doors open, They open to a beautiful, beautiful place. I want you to step out of the elevator and start to explore this place. I want you to look using all of your senses, sensing things on your skin, smells, sounds, colors, Look to the left, take everything in. Then look to the right, all that you see and hear and feel, look up, look down. And then, when you turn around, you see Jesus walking toward you with a big smile on his face. He's so happy you're there. He's so excited to see you. He picks up your little body and he swings you around. And you're just delighted. He gives you a kiss on the forehead And then he puts you down and together you begin to explore your place. And he speaks to you about how he feels about you, why he created you, and just enjoy his presence. Ask him anything on your mind, keep the conversation going, let him take you on a great adventure In the special place. And then write the whole thing down in your journal. Take all the time you need. Pause this recording and then come back after you have recorded your experience. Well, I hope you and Jesus had an amazing time and that you really got a sense of the realness of God and that you were able to get the question answered about is God really there? For you. And I hope you will also make sure you listen to the next two episodes in this series and also any of the episodes that have been referenced to go deeper on the topics we've already discussed. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and your heart is prompted to do that now, or if you are already saved but you have fallen away and want to rededicate your life at this time in your own way just simply say lord i want you in my life i give my heart to you please come in bring the holy spirit and show me the way to how to live the life that you have created for me before the foundations of the earth were laid i surrender to you and i welcome you now to become my lord and savior Thank you for what you accomplished for me on the cross, and I praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer with a sincere heart, welcome to the family of God, and God bless your journey. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it, and check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.